and you're our guest. So like, be a guest. I, I, like you're at a party. Welcome to my party. No, my party, yeah, just your me. Party. Your party is fun, for sure. Welcome to the House of People. Um, today, my guest is my friend, Kenny. Hello. We've known for quite some time. Yeah, it's been a long time. I know, and it's your first time on the show. Um, so today we're covering season one, episode 10, Joey's Place. And I, you wanted a Joey specific episode. I did. Because? I relate to him very much so. What's your, where we get there, like what's your history of Full House? Uh, my history of Full House, I grew up with two older sisters uh, and my mom. My dad wasn't around that much. He did second shift, so he's usually gone in the afternoon. But in the evenings before dinner, we always, me and Sarah uh, always just sat around and watched TV while we waited on mom to cook dinner. So it was like Full House, um, the one with Tim Allen. Some home Improvement. Home Improvement. I almost said Family Improvement, and I was like, that's not right. Home Improvement. Family stuff, Matters. Family Matters, stuff like But Full House was the one that we liked the most. Did you watch it while it was like on TJF, or did you wait until after? Because like some people say they watched it when they were growing up, but like they didn't watch with TJF. Mm, to be honest, I don't remember. It was only on Fridays was when it... <laughs> okay, then definitely not that because we watched it like every day. Okay, so... Yeah. Huh. My sister was more in charge of that stuff. I just kind of like... I'm she not... controlled the remote? Yes, she was older, so she had to say. My stuff was cartoons in the morning and she got the TV. We just fought whoever got there first <laughs> and who was the most... Whoever like... We also like... Li- we would literally fight. Oh, yeah? Like get physical and then whoever won would like get control. If you were there first, you get it. But then if someone wants to challenge you, <laughs> then you have to give up. For, for me, it wasn't really much of a fighting thing because none of the stuff I really wanted to watch was in the afternoon. Like the only thing at night I really looked forward to was uh, Nick at Night. Mm. Like, uh, I love the old 50 shows or um, Snick towards the weekend. Yeah, of course. Like, oh, we didn't have Nickelodeon until I was um, like in it, it was like extra money <clears throat> for that. It wasn't basic cable for oh, a while. Okay. It wasn't. Um, so I had to go to my grandma's house to watch okay. Nickelodeon. Yeah. Um, all right. So this episode is I, I really like it because it's like the a really good example of my theory about the, the idea of someone wanting to leave the house and that not being possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this episode, it's um, Joey's art is basically calling him out into the real world to like grow his career, really. And it's a big it's a big opportunity for him. And in theory, it, in theory, it could be like a catalyst to something good in his life um but he the rather than moving on or the family that letting him move on the family goes above and out of their way to like get him to stay well you can read it two ways you can read it as like oh they're just lovely people just being nice but also it's like is that the best Mm. thing for joey you know i agree with that when that when we were watching it for me uh it reminded me a lot it it, it, to me it um, feeds off of your theory really well because in movies where it's like houses and consumption and spirits, they always need high frequency energy to be fed really well and consume. And the whole episode is like him trying to like kind of, he doesn't want to leave his duties, but they feed him enough of like, no, you should pursue it. And he does it. But like, so he gets that energy of wanting to accomplish it. And, but there's all these like fears and stuff that consume it. So like at the end of keeping him stay, he's like, look, you're back. This is much better, right? Yeah. I'm really happy to be here. It's almost manipulative. Like mm-hmm. uh, you're trying to leave like a, manipulative, a bad relationship and like totally. them like being nice a little bit, just enough to get you to stay mm-hmm. and not break up with them. It also reminds me of like what happens inside us when we try to make a big change of our life. And then your body's telling you like, oh, we'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Cause 
it's always so scary to approach that, especially, I mean, I relate with Joey so much. So like him just taking that risk to go on that tour, like I can relate to that and how he's like making up all these excuses not to, because he can't relieve his duties. He doesn't want this, blah, blah, blah. And, but when he comes back, it's even more pleasure for him to experience. Like there's nothing worse than like taking that risk to like explore yourself and grow to towards the path you want. And then when you come back, you're like, but this is better. Yeah. This is like, I can't believe this is happening for me. Maybe I do belong here. Like, exactly. This is where I belong. Yeah. So it's like, because we don't even hear in that episode how his tour actually even went. It had nothing to do with this tour at all. Exactly. And like, they don't ask about, it's like all about, yeah, it's about the room and like his space and not mm-hmm. necessarily about like him personally. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go through the episode beat by beat um, and just go through and we'll okay. let you know, let you interject so it starts with joey in the kitchen ironing clothes and doing the sound effects being a classic joey doing a bit when was it what was the tune the melody it's i know it's from it's, 2001 right it's it's the i don't remember the origin of the song but it's the song that they always play of like the moon landing mm. set the dun, 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 boom, boom, boom. Uh, what i liked about it is also he was ironing it but they were all stacked up <laughs> they were like full, already <laughs> folded <laughs> and like stacked them he's like, just like beating the yeah. clothes already yeah Oh, God. I, I love that moment so much of Joey because when I used to work in the pet store, uh, before we opened, I'd have to go in the clean the guinea pig cage out. And um, there was like six guinea pigs in there and they would always make that weird sound when they were. Oh, yeah. So they had one little house in there. When I would go to scoop the litter out, I'd, I'd sing the old Godzilla songs. I'd be like, dun, 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 dun. And they'd be running around going, did people like notice? Oh, we weren't open yet. So it's oh. just me by myself. <laughs> so like the whole moment, Joey, I'm like, I mean, Joey, like, yeah, that's me. I, I do that. No, oh, and then the girls come and they, we find out that he has big news mm-hmm. and um, he's going to wait until everyone's there to talk before he talks about it. Um, and then, and this thing you get to see like how Joey's dynamic doesn't really match with yeah. the house so much. Cause like, he's like super happy and cheerful and jokey, but Jesse like doesn't want to play along with it. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's a character that everyone feeds off of to make themselves feel more important and lively. Yeah, especially like to rag on him. Especially Jesse likes to like rag on him. Yeah. Um, and it seems playful, but also like it, in real life, like if someone like ragged on you as much as they rag on Joey. Well, that sense of humor in general always comes from borderline bullying. Because like even though it is, I'm sure Uncle Jesse does love him in his own way. It's to make himself feel more masculine. Yeah. Primal and like uh, not primal, but alpha. Like like. Uh, yeah, Jesse will get to his like his whole his arc in this episode because he has some issues with um, gender roles. Um, so then when Jeff, when Danny finally gets um, home, we find out that Joey's been chosen to go on a 16 week, week college, 16 day college tour. Yeah, 16 day. Um, and he's not sure he wants to go because he thinks he has a commitment to the girls and he wants to help and he doesn't think he should leave his responsibilities. Right. Um, but then they ex- they insist on him going. They say Jesse will fill in for Joey, and it's not a big deal, and it's all hugs all around. We're going to take care of it. It's fine. Okay, Joey, we're all here. Spill your guts. I have been chosen as one of the hot up-and-coming comics to go on a two-week, 16-college tour. Yes! Good right. job. <laughs> oh, the man is hot. <laughs> well, there's only one problem. I'm not sure if I'm going to go or not. Joey, why not? Well, when I moved in here, I made a commitment to help with the girls and cook and clean and do laundry. I can't just take off like that. Joey, you have worked too long and too hard to pass this up. Man, it's going to be a big break. You got to go for it. You're going. 
And what about the kids? Both of you guys work. We'll go with you. Yeah, it's never too early to look at college. <laughs> Let's get out of kindergarten first. <laughs> guys, it's simple. I will fill in for Joey. Just take a couple weeks off the bug biz. You can do that? Sure. Work for my dad. Can't fire me because my mom won't let him. <laughs> you guys sure you can get along without me? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Ah, baby, you're the greatest. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. <laughs> Girls? <laughs> Touch me, the deal's off. That's the first scene. Yep. No. A, a really important thing to that scene, too, is when, which is actually funny because DJ is the one who says it, I think. If I remember correctly, it's DJ who says it. She even says, like, that's so Joey, or, like, that's very Joey. But when he's, when he, she says that when he's um, doing the little, the little music thing, thingy, right. yeah. But that's another... Um, it's all when uh, Stephanie says, is that normal? And he's like, it's normal for Joey. It's normal for Joey, which I'm very relatable to as well. <laughs> oh. For you guys. Actually, a good example is in high school. Um, my senior year, I had a teacher every morning who would be like, good morning, ladies, gentlemen, Kenny. Like every day, and at the, at the time, I loved it. Yeah, like I was a super confident person back then because I didn't know any better. Um, but looking back on it, sometimes I'm like, it's so messed up. Yeah, uh, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> it is a Kenny thing, so like, uh, it's, it's kind of because you are different, you're special, but also like, stop it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, thanks for telling me something that somebody tells me every single day. <laughs> so in the next scene, Joey's practicing his act in the living room. Um, when he uses, he's using a laugh track at, with his part of his rehearsal. I think it's interesting how his the laugh and the applause is part of his routine or like mm-hmm. part of his rehearsal. And it makes me feel like, does he need? Is it for him or is he trying to like? Is is there are there is there applause like important to his act or does he need it to be a part of his act? I mean, I would say. What does that say about him? I think it says for him that like. He loves what he does, but he's still not sure if it's what he's meant to do. And I think he probably struggles with that. I also think he, it's like that one time he can get like attention or praise for doing something. Maybe. I mean, uh, at this point, we probably haven't seen much of his comedy in the show, right? It's I mean, still season one. I mean, if we see like he... I know later on he gets a lot. He gets to do a lot of stuff with like the puppets and the TV shows. Right now it's like him just being a comic. That's like he's definitely still like struggling though. Right. And, the, and I mean, I haven't watched the show that often recently besides what we've watched. But um, do they even show him doing much comic stuff outside the house up to this point? Oh, I can't remember what season, if it's season two, but they he does, he's on Star Search. So later, but I mean like right now. Like, I don't know if it's season one or season two. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think the laugh track is probably, because he calls it a comic. He says to Danny, you know, like, Danny makes this like pretty rude joke about his stuff being everywhere because mm-hmm. he's using all the props and stuff to rehearse. I think it's just, I, th- I thought it was everywhere because it was dirty. Like he was just like, I was also like, he's so good at taking care of the house itself, but not his own space. Exactly. And I think that's why he, the laugh track and all that is like a perfect example about how much chaos is going on inside him because <laughs> he's trying to like enjoy what he's about to do, but he's also freaking out. Cause he's like, so he's like going through all of his stuff, throwing it everywhere. Cause he doesn't know what he's going to need for a prop. Cause he's probably trying to even still figure out all of his bit. He's probably making his outline for the tour. Mm-hmm during those rehearsals. Um, so it's kind of funny that he he looks at Danny and says like, oh, this is my confidence builder. And he's like, that's your best one yet. Like, oh God, yeah. Um, but for him, it probably actually is. Like if I were to put, knowing how I am and it's, if I relate to Joey, like I think I do, um, I do stuff like that for myself all the time when I'm practicing stuff. Like uh, it just hearing it 
helps you stop. I, I would assume it helps him get out of his head a little bit being like, was that good or not? Cause the laugh track, it helps him just keep going forward. Oh yeah. Like, let's go to the next bit. Let's go to the next bit. I'll think work, work fast, critique later. So I, yeah. It's interesting. You saw that way. Cause I thought it was like an insecurity thing. I mean, it's definitely an insecurity thing too, but that's probably why he's using it so much. And so theater like. Yeah. Theatrically. Theatrically. Thank you. Yeah. That's probably why he's doing that because he's using it as a tool, but it's, but it's that tool is driven because of his insecurities. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about like how hard it must be for Joey as a creative person who's like used to working to work something. Even then, even now, like Jesse is like an exterminator mm-hmm. as a job. And like, he's like sort of fiddles around with his guitar every now and then. But like Joey's like trying to actively be a comic. We, we hear later on that he's like actively trying to work on his career. Um, but also like he, he lives in that situation and like how like, and he's also like a basically a stay-at-home mom, basically too, yeah. like a full full-time stay-at-home parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, how can you imagine doing that? Like right now, like it would be the same as me, like right now, which is like taking care of a whole house with three kids. Part of me would actually really love it. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I don't know. Like you know, I just spent two and a half weeks with my family, with my sister and her three boys, and stuff like that. And even I was like, this is a lot for a family to handle. And like, since they had like. Yeah, it, it, I can't imagine him trying to pursue that and do all that at the same time. So speaking of his inner mess, like I I, I noted down some of the props he has lying around. He had a piñata, mm-hmm. the mannequin obviously that matched his outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a drum, bird cage, a chicken hat, and like various dolls just thrown about. Mm-hmm. Which makes you think like he left all his furniture in his old place, but he brought those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he is pursuing comedy as hard as we're made to believe, then maybe... Like, are those all props, though? I don't think all of them are. I think some of them are probably ways of escape. Um, I'm really good at things like that as well. Uh, Like, I think it's probably his modern-day, like, Legos and collectible figurines and stuff that drive his... I also think he's the kind of person who, like, sees something on the street and just grabs it. Maybe. He does seem... He does have some really random stuff. Like, I think he's, like, walking home and he's, there's, like, a random yard sale and he decides to take it. Yeah. Just because. Right. And it's, like, maybe it's, like, as, like, a uh, emotional, like, a spirit booster. Like, I'm going to get this thing, like, as, like, in general, like, the shopping, how some people, like, shop oh, for, for therapy. Sure. And, like, he's, sure. like, oh, I need this adrenaline boost. I want this next thing and I'm going to get it. And then, like, he's, like, what am I going to do with it? Right. I've been watching Quarters a lot and it's, okay. like, a common thing that people, like, want to, like, to feel good. They buy things to get that rush and they have to keep doing it because it's not sustainable. Oh, yeah. Moving on. Um... And what else happens in that scene? Oh, um, he's trying to rehearse and then he um, gets kicked out of the living room because Stephanie comes in to rehearse her Bumblebee or Honeybee thing. And she's like playing that the fight of the Bumblebee song. So right. he gets kicked out of the living room, which is kind of obnoxious. Like he could have easily. Yeah, that that I think that part of the episode is one of the most confusing moments for me because like he was like, oh, but I'm doing this. And she's like, well, you won't bother me, blah, blah. But like that kind of reflects a lot on his insecurity because he didn't even... He didn't even try. Look, Danny, I'll clean up, okay? You go work on your blooper reel, and uh, I'll get back to writing college material. Now get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Steph, what are you doing? That's very nice, but I'm trying to rehearse. Go ahead, it won't bother me. 
this is where I start to, he starts to show a little bit more of his oversensitivity. Like he cares about them more than himself a little too much to the point where he's willing to just not even look at her and be like, look, I have this two week tour. I need this. Mm -hmm. He's just like, okay, I guess I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. So he goes upstairs and he like, Jesse's in his room with his guitar and it's like oh he's like he tells him I'm looking for a place to rehearse and Jesse's like good luck no sympathy Um, and then he goes to Michelle's room and Michelle has this talking parrot who's like repeating everything he says and then he's like oh sorry I didn't know you have company and then he like is like put out by the the parrot in Michelle's room which is another interesting moment because even though I don't know narratively I know that was meant to be comedy like it's meant to be this like but I feel like that is a good example of characters like this in everyday life. Like we always make these people like the butt end of the joke just for the sake of storytelling. People like Joey? Joey, yeah. yeah. <gasps> Michelle, are you busy? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know you had company. Sorry, I didn't know you had company. <laughs> that scene it's meant to be looked at like oh haha he he doesn't want to upset the the baby but the ser- the acting in this at this it's very it's sad very serious it's not it's not a very like the mu- the, the music like it's like the, the sting at the end is like it's a very sad like right. somber tone that plays right so for me it was a very that moment stands out a lot because it's a it's a mixture of like how writers and people view people like Joey's in real life, but also how he's too insecure at the same time. That's what I've been saying this whole time. Like his story is so dark and like, it's not a small thing to like give up his life the way he does. Like it's nice, but also it's like the length he goes through to to do it. Cause Jesse also moves in with them, but like the what he's willing to endure mm-hmm. because of it is like, why? What happened to you that well, you're okay with doing that? Another thing that I think is so interesting about this series of events is they're so sympathetic about making him go on their his tour and like, yeah, do it. This is your dream. But none of them are sympathetic of helping him prepare for it. Like that mm-hmm. whole episode, he's like, they they're like kind of in the way of him doing it or like not want like they like, yeah, they they hurt him in his preparation. Yeah. Um, I actually think I wrote something down about. Uh, oh, it's almost like uh, the, during this it's not uh, during this series of little scenes of him trying to find a place. It's almost like the family is starting to show how relieved they are that he's going to be gone, which part of, if he lives in the cove, part of there probably are a little happy to have that extra space. Yeah, exactly. A little bit, especially someone with a big personality. And you were saying something about how, like how sad it is towards and tragic, but most comedy, most comedians have very tragic lifestyles. That's true. And it's really sad when you're presented with that humorous, like you, you're known to make people lift their energy to a higher frequency to make them like, ooh, I'm feeling good. They expect that from you all the time. Yeah. Uh, which I have more notes to reflect on later, like when Jesse cooks breakfast when he, the, the morning he's mm-hmm. supposed to leave. But um, uh, that reminds me that like, I was just thinking about like how, speaking of him being in the way, like when I was in situations where I had to live with someone else, when I felt like I was in, when I was in someone else's space, how guilty I felt when I was like living with them for so long. And I felt, I felt like I had to go out of my way to take care of the house. Like the cooking, I would like cook and clean and try to make myself as small as possible just to like make up for the fact that I was like in their space and their truth. So maybe that's something with Joey where he like feels like he has to like overcompensate. 
protecting oh, our room. For me, that was something I felt really heavy in this episode, especially since I've been in transition so long over these last few years. Like even situations where I'm paying rent, I'm paying my mm-hmm. share to be there. I'm still feeling inferior and I feel like I owe these people something and I have to watch what I do and watch what I say because it's not technically my space. That's what I was, I was the next thing I have to have a question about like, what's your worst roommate situation? Um, I've never, well, it's kind of hard. I'd have to really dive into that because none of my roommate situations were ever like perfect, but none of them, my quote unquote bad roommate situations were never as dark as some people's. Like I didn't have a roommate stealing from me. I didn't have, mine is more psychological damage. It's like reverse psychology. Um, and I don't want to go into too much detail about saying names and stuff, but I've had situations where like, I make it very clear, like, look, I know I, I pay rent, I'm here and I'm just trying to stay out of the way. And they really take advantage of that. And then they're like, certain people in certain situations have treated me like it was their property, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't. That's why I feel like there's so, there are, I think there's two different types of personalities and roommates where there are people who like make the space their own and people who like, either try to share it or try to like disappear from it. Mm. And like, cause whenever I lived with someone, like I made myself like as small as possible and like, didn't, even when we decorate the apartment, I just tried to make something new. I picked neutral furniture that we all would like and like Same. try to like hide my own personality just to like appease them as much as I could. And there are some people who just like dominate, like we call it like they like nest basically and like, yeah. mm-hmm. like put down roots. I mean, which is like good for them, but also like it makes it really, it's always like ends up being really hard for everyone else in the house because their personality or their like space is so dominant that like it like pushes everyone else who's like more accommodating or like less confident. Yeah. It's tough too, because then, especially if you're dividing up the rooms according to size and stuff like that, some people feel more entitled because mm-hmm. they're paying more. And I'm like, it's not how this works. Yeah. 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 Even though we've all like, most people have to live with someone in their life. Like, even if you're like rich and you go to college, you're like, you're like forced at first year to live with someone else. Like, even though we're all like called to do that at some point in your life, like a lot of people are just really bad at living with other people. Yeah, no, it's true. I've had, I've had situations where like, as roommates, we didn't get along, but we're, we were great friends. Um, yeah, living with friends is dangerous. It is dangerous, yeah. But it's also great. Like, to be honest, though, like, all my best living situations ever were when I moved in with people I had never met before. Mm-hmm. Those were always, like, yeah. the best. Because it's, like, a different level of relationship you build with someone. Like, yeah, we're friends, but we're not family, but we're not technically friends. But when we're in this space together, we have a very unique relationship mm-hmm. together that we can feed off of and be there for each other. Um I was always too scared to like be friends with my roommates. So I, like, I just, I don't know. I just like, I felt so uncomfortable mm-hmm. with other people. So I just like being relaxed enough to like chill and bond with them was like, oh, it's really hard. I would just like retreat to my room. Well, I find it, it's a really hard to find that balance of what kind of roommates you have, you know, cause you can open up and be genuine with people. And then that might be all they want from you. And then every time you see each other in the house, it turns into that conversation, whether you're ready for it. Honestly, it's my nightmare to have a situation where like the roommate expects me to like hang out with them and talk to them. Cause I feel like I need my space and like to, I don't know, it's too intense for me. Yeah. I feel like. Like almost like dating someone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to date anyone. That's what yes. I don't want to, uh, that's I don't want to have to talk to anybody. I feel that. Yeah. It's only been the last few years. I've been very comfortable with living, like being alone and being okay with who I am. So, uh, I feel like I've wanted to be that good roommate. Who's never like not too much there and not, not enough, but I feel like no matter what choice I, I feel like I'm very, I'm like, I always walk on eggshells and try to be as 
easily to, easy to live with as possible. And somehow that always ends up working against me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's just like an energy thing or a dominance thing or a person that like I'm an A type, I'm a B type, whatever. But like the way I live my life is like, yo, we're in this together. Let's find the easiest way and let's coexist. And some people don't like that. Or some people like start to project onto you because they like, yeah. like, for example, I'm the kind of person where I like, if I dirty something, I do something, I try to, I want, I don't want anyone else have to be responsible for what I did. And, but I've lived with people before too, who are, they're like, well, I clean the whole house once a week. So that's what I expect of you too. Yeah. They don't, they don't communicate that though. Yeah. So like they look at you and they're like, you never clean. Whereas like my perspective is like, I clean up after myself every time. Like if I, I'm sure I get busy sometimes and I don't do all my dishes like right away, but I do try to, within two days, I will have my dishes done. Yeah. And if I don't, you know, I'm going through some crazy, Mm -hmm. like I'm depressed, I'm sick, something. That's the thing, like people don't communicate in general. So like, yeah, it's like, of course, your roommate, because like people in general just don't communicate. Yeah. Expectations and stuff. Well, it's also hard too, because certain people have this way of like, there's certain things they don't like to do. So they bring up the excuse like, well, I do this all the time for the whole house. Could mm-hmm. you do this? And it's like, my rule is if something makes you uncomfortable, do it. If you're the one uncomfortable about something, just go ahead and do it. You're going to be so much happier just getting it done, whether it's your dish or not. Yeah. If that dish in the sink is bothering you that bad. Yeah. Just do it. Exactly. It takes two seconds. Yeah. And yeah. then talk about it later. It's like have yeah. that discussion. But like, yeah, just like get rid of the problem. You know? Yeah. Because it's like letting it build up and like turning it into a conflict doesn't help anybody. Just communicate it when you're in a good and be like, Hey, I've noticed that this has been happening. I don't mind helping out, but like I clean up after myself, whatever, you know, oh, <laughs> I'm just so glad I can live. I've, I've had roommates since I moved out and I really, of course. Yeah. Hoping. I've only just now like not had a roommate for two years now. Oh, yeah. So jealous. Um, but I get, I'm glad I have like visitors now. It's fun to like have people, like friends, people I like to come. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now Joe's in the garage practicing and like note the sweater. He's wearing a sweater because it's cold. And like, he's like, it's very nice. It's very put out, um, like in the freezing garage rehearsing. And then he does a bit with the water fountain and DJ plays along. And in this episode, DJ is like super empathetic to Joey. And like, she looks it in the way that she hates sharing a room with Stephanie. Right. And they kind of commiserate with like that whole, like having roommates and like not liking it. And like, she can see that. Maybe that's because like um, Danny and Jesse don't have to share anything. So they just, for some reason, they can't wrap their head around like why Joey wouldn't like his situation in the first place. Like the fact that they went on like as long as it did, like they didn't, they didn't know it was like, oh, we have to do something about the alcohol situation like right away. Like why wouldn't they just like try to figure out what's the long-term plan for Joey's accommodations, you know? Well, that's, I think that's a very interesting point in general because like, it was like what we were talking about before we sat down to record about how they, uh, Uncle Jesse and Joey moved in at the same time. So why does Jesse get his own room and Joey gets the cove? Yeah, let's talk about that. Well, I mean, I think in Joey's personality, he probably was like, look, you take the room because Joey is obviously way more passive than Jesse is. Also, you probably noticed it, but like Joey in the first episode, Joey comes in with a little bit of pal clothes in his hands. Like that's, that's his that's his luggage. It's like him just holding his clothes and dropping it on the floor. And I mean, Jesse had like his like guitar and his like his ego. helmet. <laughs> yeah, his ego and toe. And like it's yeah, and I feel like yeah, his personality is so dominant. He probably just like yeah. assumed, of course, I get the room. I, also, like Joey, I mean Jesse's like women situation. He would want he needs a door. Oh, for sure. He can't. Like, the girls can't be scarred. Like, <laughs> Those were girls. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I feel like he gets more attention from the girls in certain ways than than Joey. It's like 
It's different. I feel like he needs like the the spoken attention, whereas mm-hmm. I feel like the girls is like because there are plenty of um, scenes where the girls are episodes where the girls are just hanging out with Joey Chill, and there's no scenes of them just hanging out with Jesse. They say, uh-huh. "Oh, Jesse, we love you," and like they give hugs and everything, but like with Joey, just like they just hang out with him, mm-hmm. which is a different kind of attention. True, true. Um. So yeah, they're in the they're in the garage commiserating, and then. We learned that first of all, John Joe is keeping some of his clothes in his car. Yeah. Um, and he like finally says he doesn't like the lack of privacy. Which yeah, what was he been doing? What's he been doing like dates and like? I don't think he is. Goes to people. He doesn't have time. If you think about it, that episode when he when he presents the whole board, which I'm sure we'll go into in a little bit because it's the scene after this. He has everything organized, scheduled, prepared. So he probably has no time for himself at all. The little bit of time he does have, he probably tries to work on his, um, his uh, comedy. His comedy. I was gonna say art. But then say, it is art. Yeah, shut yeah. up. No, no, I, no. That's what I was saying. It is art. I was like same thing. Um, yeah, they actually. Like, I'm, I'm writing an essay about the gender role in the story mm-hmm. in the in the show, and like that in the first or in the second episode they have an argument between Jesse and Joey about like which is better which is more valid as art comedy or music mm. it's a different it's a, different story it's different a, day yeah that's actually an interesting conversation because I feel like most people would choose music because it's more relatable mm-hmm. or I think it's something about it makes it you have more skill if you can do music even though like to be good at comedy is like a much more nuanced skill to have and it has, it has to be like self-taught too because like you can sit down and like be taught how to play guitar or something right but you have to like it's a different muscle you use to like be comedically funny or good at comedy um all right so wait before we move on sure. what are your thoughts about so like we you asked the question of like um why wasn't there any more urgency mm. Like, so do you have a, an opinion of, like, why? You're just selfish people. They're very, so? like, self-centered people. Especially, I mean, they're in their 20s. Like, right now, Jesse and Danny are actually in their 20s. Like, they're mid to late 20s right now. And it's still, like, a very selfish time. Like, the girls are just their kids. So, like, they it's not their job to think about the roommate situation or, like, housing in general. Um, I just think, and also... In that scene, DJ and Joey say, like, so Joey's not complaining. Everyone's, like, so focused on their own thing. So, like, of course, it's not going to be handled. Yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking about, like, the theory. If there's anything there. I mean, if we're going to apply it to your theory, it makes sense that that would end up to Joey's character because he's a very high, naturally high-energy character. Like, it doesn't take him a lot to be optimistic and feel hopeful. Um, so for him, to ha- he doesn't need as much as everyone else to be on their top par to consume that mm-hmm. substance. If, if we're talking about the house being the thing eating them yeah. or whatever, um, he needs the least amount to provide that much energy because yeah. he's naturally a nurturer too. So just being there for everyone is already given him so much fuel to keep burning and going and like working towards the life he wants so for me like his situation being in the cove makes perfect sense because it's like you don't need a lot so i'm literally going to give you bare minimum to the point where you're you can have that stress and that anxiety but you still have that hope and that optimism and it just dangles right in front of you like a little carrot but also i feel like we were talking about we i'm joking ahead but like the theory that like the house punishes people like i think the house in this episode is punishing danny 
for his neglect and like him like pushing Joey out of the house. Like he's essentially punishing them because he, they have to end up paying this exorbitant amount of money to like keep him there. Mm, that is interesting. And like uh, Joey's, I mean, Danny's clearly like just he takes the hit. He like mentions that like it costs him a lot of money. So like they put a freaking bathroom in the garage for him. So like I feel like the house like when I'm sure like their other scenario could have been like a roommate shuffle where the girls live together or like or something do, happens yeah. you know mm-hmm. something where existing rooms could have been transformed some way yeah or just making Jesse swallow his ego a little bit and share a room for exactly a yeah or like let Joey move because he needs to he needs his own space you know yeah. um but yeah so I feel like the house actually might be punishing the, the Danny and them for like mistreating Joey it's very interesting yeah so that makes the scene later when Jesse has a little breakdown a little you don't want it we'll get serious. there <laughs> um Anything else? No. And so then DJ goes upstairs and tells the guys about how sad it is mm-hmm. that um, Joey doesn't have a, a space. And then they start going over the different possible scenarios for rooms. Um, and then Joey comes in and they, for some reason, they don't want Joey to hear them talking about it. Yeah. Um, then Joey comes in and they cover a scene that, oh, they're doing a new family ritual where they sing to Michelle to sleep. And then Joey's suspicious. And so Jesse has the idea to sing a four-part harmony to like prove that they're doing. They have a new ritual, and it's like they're singing two different songs. Isn't there something we can all do to help him? What Joey really needs is his own room. Yes, you're right. Joey needs a room. Okay, let's stop and think about this. Darn, no rooms. Oh well, we thought about it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. See, she knows I'm joking. Huh? <laughs> What? Joey's not here yet. Time out, Stephanie. Honey, let's have a little talk about this lookout thing. The key is to let us know when Joey is coming, not when Joey is not coming. This is harder than I thought. No, sweetie, it's easy. All you have to do is, when you see Joey coming, you give us the secret code. Um, the duck flies at midnight. Duck flies at midnight. I should get paid for this. <laughs> okay, I got this all figured out. Now, if I move into Michelle's room, Joey moves into my room, Michelle moves into the alcove, and Stephanie gets her very own tent in the backyard. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, plan B. If we put bunk beds in Jesse's room, that means Uncle Jesse and Joey could be roommates. Great idea, huh? I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, here you are. The duck, the turtle, the chicken ride to 7 Eleven <laughs> at midnight. It's a new catchphrase. All the kids are saying it. <laughs> What's going on in here? Uh, well, we're doing this new family ritual where we uh, sing Michelle to sleep. A new family ritual? Hmm? Why didn't you guys call me? Why didn't we go? Well, uh, that's simple, too. Uh, What it is, we're doing this four-part harmony thing tonight. And here we go. One, two, three, four. Lullaby. And good night. And We've got to get Joey out of that alcove. You're right. Why didn't you... The This scene frustrated me so much because 
Joey is his his when he says, "Why didn't you invite me?" He's so sincere because he's like, it's like the closest moment we get to him being like, "I do everything." Without I'm the family. Actually, yeah, without him doing that, but like. This also brings me to a big point. Like, if you're ever going to throw a surprise for somebody, why would you ever? I don't understand when people plan surprises. They are doing it in a way that makes the person feel unwanted, mm-hmm. not important. Like, let's beat the crap out of this Let's person. ignore them. Ignore them. Pretend that they're not important. Anything possible to make them feel like we're about to just throw them out of the house and then be like, just kidding. Like, why would you ever It's do, so, yeah. It's such a weird way to say, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to get you down to your worst fear possible. Just kidding. Love you. Surprise. Like, that's awful. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had anyone do that to me. First of all, I hate surprises. Oh, they get me so angry. <laughs> what? I love surprises. I think the worst surprise I ever got was when uh, a girl I could care less about uh, and she could care less about me, was interested in one of my high school friends. This was, I think we were like 19 when this happened. She threw me a huge surprise party, invited all my friends, but me and her were not friends. We did not talk. She did it so she could earn brownie points with my roommate who she wanted to date. That was the most uncomfortable. People are so weird. That was the most uncomfortable, great, like good thing someone has ever done for me. I was like, and and it felt so weird because some of my friends, like Benjamin, who was like my childhood friend since like I was five, was like, you don't seem very, like, what's, are you okay? And I, but how do you sit there and explain in front of me? Like, no. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. This, this girl who I, we don't get along, who I barely know is only got all of you guys together in my house for a surprise birthday, just cause she wants in my friend's pants. Like that's uncomfortable. What did she say to you? Did she talk to you during the night? She, like, would you say anything? No, she wouldn't even talk the whole party. <laughs> people, you have so many, you attract weird people into your life. <laughs> I really do. I know. I think, I, I want more people to know it, but also, like, at what cost? At what cost? And that's, yeah, that's what I'm learning. Oh, God. Uh, I have quite, like, Kiko told me I should write an entire collection of short stories just based off the type of people I attract or, like, the girl, the type of girls I end up going on dates with because it's, it's really crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do have some great stories. I do. Um, <laughs> I should start a whole podcast on that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you call it? Think about a title. Um in the background so yeah he like joey's all sad now because he feels put out obviously because mm-hmm. they started a new fa- that's also like yeah joey's the only one who's not family which i just read a new theory that maybe joey is a family it's true there's a theory out there that joey is actually the father of the girls because how they people say like how is it possible that danny who's brunette and the wife is blonde but like how would they produce three girls back to back but in joey's the only blonde in the house mm. i mean it has been known for like people to be blonde hair and then at like a certain mm. age they oh believe around. me i hear yeah <laughs> for some reason like people used to be blonde when they were a kid like to talk about it yeah actually tim i didn't know this was a thing actually until last week when i was still in boston um tim told me that he said he was blonde hair blue eyed until he was like I think seven or 10, either that or seventh grade. I don't, it had something to do with the number seven. Mm. And then his hair was completely brown. And he's been a brown head ever since. It's fine. It's not that interesting though. People talk <laughs> about it like it's interesting. Like, I don't care. <laughs> um, I've been a brunette my whole life. So it's fine. fine. It's none of it's exciting. If you have like, if you're like albino, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I know. It's like, but I, don't, I feel not. so sad for people who feel insecure about that. I know. So I don't understand. We, you don't want to be different, though. But everyone is different. Exactly. Like, but it's. But that's just, that's the truth of everyday life is like, it doesn't matter how normal you look or act. You still are a freak. 
Yeah. People want to be normal to like blend in. Because that's what I do want to be. That's why I live in New York. Because I want to be, I want to blend in and like not, so mm-hmm. no one can see me. I mean, I get that in San Diego. I'm left alone. And that's why I like it. I don't have, I don't have to worry about bumping into somebody I know. Like everyone has tattoos there. It's no longer like, oh, just hipsters or unique people have tattoos. Like everybody has tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I don't stand out. I can go to a cafe, do my thing. And I don't, people don't stare at me. They don't, I just... I'm not there. It's great. That was kind of that was like kind of hard about last night. It's like whenever I do the group muse, like people see me, because mm. I know it's people were looking at me when I got up and get wine and stuff. But like right. it's always weird. I mean, that's why I felt uncomfortable to be seen. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like our. Little- I was talking about this with my therapist recently about how like the thought, the idea that people think about me when I'm not in a room scares me and makes me really angry. Like I don't like people thinking about me when I'm not there. Why? I don't. It's. I, I don't like being out of control of like, first, I don't like being seen in general. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that people are seeing in a way, seeing me, even when I'm like away in my, in my little cocoon mm-hmm. is like, what is <laughs> I have to be so purpose of me? You know, I don't know. It makes me feel, I don't like being seen. That's very fascinating. Cause like, I want to be seen. Even though I have a podcast, I don't want to be. <laughs> but, that's, but that's why it's a podcast and not a video. But also, no, I like the thought. I don't like people thinking about me. Mm. Hmm. Well, oh, well, I'm always thinking positively for you. So, Uh but like, to me, that's interesting because my whole life, when I found my identity in photography and I embraced that and ran with it, I got frustrated at a certain point because I was never in any, I was never part of any of one, all these memories I was experiencing with people because they were like, can you take the pictures? Can you take the pictures? So I'm tagged in all this stuff, but I'm never, there's like barely any photos of me in this world. Mm. And, um, so I want to be seen because I have that weird like complex of not being seen anymore. But then when I start to get the attention, I get really uncomfortable because I don't want to be seen like that. And I think that's a huge part of my insecurity of why I don't want to succeed as an artist doing the things I do because I have I have to be seen. Mm-hmm. To do that. Like I did this. You're here because of something I did. And then I get uncomfortable because it's like I'm not used to people liking what I'm doing or what I'm interested in doing. So exactly. That's what makes me publicizing this podcast so hard because I don't I I'm always surprised when people say they like the podcast and I was like I'm I, it's hard to like you have to like be confident and like push your work out in the world to, for people to see it because I want people to re- see it but also like I don't want to be the one to tell them to do it. I want people I want to like like the, the equivalent of like having like an airplane like toe to sign in the sky and like say hey listen to this podcast but also like it's not me that associated yeah I don't know it's hard to I know there's that balance you want where like you want to do your art you want to get out there you want people to relate to it and you want them to grow into better people because of it but at the same time you don't want people to put you on that pedestal and like fantasize about you and like do these weird things with the images of you in their head because you're like dude I'm just a person I'm just doing something I really enjoy can we leave it at that Mm -hmm. exactly so which is always great when you actually meet an artist or a celebrity that you really like and they act like that. You're like, oh my God, this is great. You're just a person. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was like, yeah. But then you meet some artist and you're like, oh, you are an image. You have to be an image. And I want nothing to do with that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, what, kind of, what kind of famous person do you think Joey would be? Joey? I feel like Joey... <laughs> I can only say these things because I re- like I relate with Joey so much. I, I can only think of like, how would I be? <laughs> but um, like, I feel like Joey would just, I feel like he's a little bit more calm. If you were to meet him in person, he wouldn't be nearly as funny up front. Mm. I think he'd be a little bit more calm, a little bit more serious. 
but you could pull that side of him out really easily if he felt comfortable. Like for me, I'm a very silly outgoing person, but like it takes a certain people to pull that out of me. Like for example, when we went to the Muse, then group Muse, Muse, I like, you saw it. Like I hadn't been that on that witty or that on point in a long time, but there was something about the energy and them being there with you. And then, uh, meeting your other friends that just, I just felt comfortable and I felt like I could just, no matter what I said, people wouldn't care. Um, and I feel like a lot of comedians, like that's their face, you know, like they are used to be funny. That's their job. Their job is to be entertaining. It's to help people forget about things. So I feel like if you meet them on an everyday level, they're probably a little bit more calm. At least Joey, at least his mannerisms and stuff on the show to me, it seems like he'd be somebody who likes to be silly and whatever, but also loves to really just like talk about everything and why things are the way they are. I think he would be like one of the people who like you're having a conversation, he would interject a joke that not everyone gets or no one would get. Like he like would be like in a group talking about like, I don't know, politics or something and he'll like say like a something really silly really silly and it won't land but like he's fine with it mm, i could see that he's entertained by himself he to me he literally i feel like he'd just be a really fun uncle like mm. it's uncle joey uncle like, joey you know like you like you were saying earlier to be a comedian it takes a very specific skill whereas anyone can like learn guitar and stuff but <clears throat> to be a really good comedian especially whether it's slapstick or not you have to really learn how to craft expectations in a unique way and i feel like people who are really good at that are really good at understanding people's motives in life and just what drives mm-hmm. people or what scares you have people. to yeah you have to like uh, yeah you have to be a very observant person right um so then the next scene um is when jesse's making breakfast um mm-hmm. and he's like on it wearing the apron the whole bit like he's like in super super parent mode um and um Joey's going over the girl's schedule when Jesse waving him off like he got he's got it he's fine he, like it's not a big deal um, and then the family praises Jesse for being on top of everything um, and they learn they ask for seconds we learned that they don't ask for seconds for Joey like they're all just like happy and ex- excited even about Jesse like taking over um, Joey's role um, and then this, the girls go to leave and like Jesse remember to pack their lunches because Joey forgot um, and then Steph this is like a series of things that makes that kind of kicks Joey mm-hmm. before he leaves. So it's that Jesse making breakfast and everyone loving it, for, loving for it. It's Steph saying, "Oh, I'll see you in a month." Like even longer than he'll be away. Um, and then Jesse saying it's fine, and he says, "We don't need you, go." Um, and then he like kind of slumps off to the living room to say goodbye to Michelle, which is in green, mm-hmm. and I put the cleaning schedule in pink. Alex, I'll take dental appointments for fifty. <laughs> Good morning, my friends. Good morning. Good morning, you guys. Just in time. We got your eggs. We got your bacon. We've got your toast. We got your milk. We got your orange juice. And the morning paper sports section on the top. It looks like Jesse. It sounds like Jesse. I think I'll keep him. (laughs) Hey, all Hazel's done so far is make breakfast. (laughs) Well, what do you guys think? I'll have seconds. Seconds? Okay, seconds for you and seconds for you, all right? How come nobody ever asked for a second helping of my eggs? So, uh, Jess, <laughs> did Michelle eat? Yeah, like a horse. She's sleeping it off in her playpen. Way to go, Jess. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm late for work. Joey, buddy, you are on your way. Knock him dead. Blow him away. You're gonna kill him. You're in a very violent business. 
<laughs> See you guys later. Thanks. Made myself a name, McJesse. All right. <laughs> Did you uh, think of an alternative to Joey's alcove problem? Mm, not yet. But I stayed up all night thinking about it. I thought you had a date. Okay, I stayed up all night. <laughs> well, let's keep thinking. All right. See you. Bye, girl. Bye, Dad. I'm sorry, I forgot to pack your lunches. Feed bag, young lady. Thank you, Jesse. You're welcome. Bye, Joey. Bye. Goodbye, Joey. Have fun. Bye. We'll see you in a month. Uh, two weeks. Joseph, you better get going, man. You're going to be late. Now, Jess, remember, I left all the important Joey, phone numbers with we you. can take care of it. Are you sure? Yes. I don't need you. Now go, TCB. Take care of business. Come on, go. But I, I LRN, leave right now. <laughs> In other words, W-A-Y-G. Why aren't you gone? Go home. Okay. <laughs> Toilet cabs down, boy. Turn the kitchen. Hi, Michelle. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I haven't left yet. But I'm going for two weeks. <sighs> Something's going on here. I mean, they're having family rituals without me. I can be replaced like that by a rock and roll exterminator. <laughs> Maybe they don't need me. Oh. Yeah, I know. I think you're the only one who cares about me. Mm. You give me a kiss. Ah. Uh. Okay. Bye, Michelle. Okay, you stay right there. Tell everyone I'll miss them if they care. Bye. Yeah, and before we had before we get into his little conversation mm. with Michelle, that scene says so much to me because uh, this I actually have a lot of notes about this part. Um, it's the one moment where he tries to reassure because we already we've already seen Jesse brush him off once when he was trying to be serious, and th- uh, this is the same moment he shows the corkboard, right? Mm-hmm. with all the cards and stuff. He's trying to show Jesse, like, this isn't going to be as easy as you think. Here's, I got everything organized to you by color, like, blah, blah. He's just like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, it's it's that moment where the comedian is trying to be serious and a person, and no one's taking him seriously. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is, I feel like, a real struggle with silly people, is that we have such a reputation of, like, being silly and optimistic, and we bring up the room that people don't accept us when we're trying to be serious yeah similarly i feel the same way in a different way where like i'm really nice and like sort of meek so when i'm being mean even then it reads as like funny mm-hmm. or like yeah not as mean as i want it to be like so when i'm angry like i guess when your real personality is like so cemented in people like they everything translates into a very variation of like how they see you yeah i mean since i was 20 i've been in leadership roles in coffee shops until like the last year and a half and manager supervisor whatever and i'm really silly at work because i don't want to be there like I, I like to earn my money don't get me wrong but i have a life and hobbies and a career i've been trying to figure out and really want to pursue some form of art so i don't want to spend my life like selling joe Schmo, who works at the bank who isn't happy with his decisions but he has more money than i can think of whatever like um and so like i'm really silly at work but when it comes to like conflict and it's like look i need you to do this blah blah blah, it's no one ever takes me serious like kenny you're so funny i love it when you try to get serious and i'm like dude then don't you get angry yeah it makes me not like like after a while like when i was a manager for the last coffee shop i was in boston like i lost my i lost my crap because like 
like, I was like, I'm a smart person. I'm very observant. I know what I'm doing. I'm good at my job, obviously. And, but people are like, yeah, whatever. You're not, what are you going to do? So it's like, well, I'm just, I guess I won't work here anymore. Exactly. I feel like people have to be forced into like, you're missing you before they understand your value. It's really funny because it goes, like we were talking about what you said earlier about communication. I feel like everyone in this world complains that no one communicates. And when people finally communicate, they don't want to, they're like, oh, you're so cute. Communication means listening. Yeah. An essential part of communication is listening someone talking and the other person hearing it. Yeah. It's like, that's how communication, the only way it can work. And I feel like people think communication is talking and saying words. Yeah, but it's not. It has, it has to be, it's an active listen. You have to actively listen in order to say you're communicating something. I was told once that like, you are responsible for what you don't say. Everyone who's, everyone who heard is responsible for what you do say. And I feel like that's a really important part of communication is I think that people don't really listen when people are communicating. And then, that's why people date stupid people or like diverse people because they're not listening to what they don't take they don't believe what people say i agree or they don't tell them what they're really looking for and then they get mad that this person is acting a certain way or responding a certain way or like doing things that don't make them happy and it's like well did you even tell them what you're looking for do you even know what you're looking for because in my opinion you shouldn't be dating if you have no idea what you're looking for uh well i mean maybe it depends if you're dating for fun just to go on the idea of like casual dates and meet new people sure I think you're allowed to not really know what you want because you're looking and- But even then you have to like know to say that. Exactly. So I guess you're right. It does boil down to like, if that's what you want, that's what needs to be communicated. Um, but- How did we get there? Uh, because I was talking about communication of Joey trying to communicate to Jesse. This is, look, I have all this stuff for you. And he brushes him off and says, yeah, I can do it. But then what we see, which we'll talk about soon, is that he barely lasted one day because he didn't listen to Joey. Mm. But Joey was like, and then he was getting upset. Like we during that scene, we watch him every time he says goodbye to a character, he gets sadder and sadder. So um, Danny leaves. And that that moment was kind of like whatever. I think he I think he was kind of like sad for how short the goodbye was, but kind of like, okay, Danny's got to go to work. But then when Jesse wasn't taking him serious is when his his um, perspective really changed in the room because then the girls, like especially DJ says goodbye to him first and she's the one who's been on his side, his side the whole episode. He was just like, bye. And then when um, Stephanie, Stephanie um, said goodbye, his bye got even heavier. He mm-hmm. was like, bye. And then Jesse pretty much kicks him out of the kitchen. He's like, yeah, whatever. You're not getting any more emotion out of me. Go, 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 go. Exactly. Then we arrive to the moment where he goes to approach Michelle. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about say about that moment with Michelle? That moment. That's why it's, you know what I'm saying like she, he thinks she's the only one who cares about him. So this moment is where I started getting emotional about it because I have a connection with kids in a way that I wish I had with more adults. And I think the older I get, the more people are starting to see it, but that's because I feel like the older humans get, the more they're trying to relearn to connect to their childhood self. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I felt like the black sheep of my family my whole life because like my family was just like, what are you doing? I don't get it, blah, blah. But as soon as my sister started having kids, all of a sudden they were like, Kenny, you're not crazy. Kenny, you're like, you're so good. You're so funny. You're so like, I'm like, I haven't changed at all. <laughs> like, this is how I've always been since as long as I can remember. Like, sure, my responsibilities and stuff change and where I'm living. But, like, it's like all of a sudden they could see me. And it's like, and so I just always had this, like, special connection. Like, so when he's saying goodbye to Michelle and he's like, I think you're the only one, like, blah, blah, blah. I think it's the one moment where, like, she's in a position where she kind of has to love him. 
but she but has to is a strong word because at that age you, it's literally just pure energy mm-hmm. so like she just she's like she's like kisses him and like I don't know if she like yeah she pays attention she, to she him. She loves him, you know. Like he he's probably the one who changes her. Di- he probably changes more of her diapers than Jesse and Danny combined. So combined, probably. So of course, you know. So and I think that's why he really has that moment with her because. And also the quiet. She's silent she's too. So she's not quiet. talking and like trying to like. I don't know. She's not. Yeah, just not like. Yeah, she's like silent, like letting him have a moment. Yeah, and it's like and kids are very sensitive to those things. I don't care how young she is in that scene. And I know they're actors or whatever, but in, even in real life, since it's how we're supposed to be taking this, um, that kid knows that knows what's going on. He knows he's sad. Like, yeah, when you're like, yeah, you're in that, in that house, especially when people are yelling and like whatever, to have like a moment where like a guy's like kind of whispering almost to you, mm-hmm. well, you can notice it. Right. As a kid, well, as same a baby. Thing, dogs and stuff do the same thing. Like, yeah. People are always talking about how like, your dog feeds off your energy. So if you're tense, your dog will be tense. Exactly. Or like if you come home from work and you're sad, your dog just knows to climb mm-hmm. into your lap and give you love. Well, some dogs, I don't, I've never been a dog owner, so I don't, that's not true. I had a dog once, but that's not the point. But yeah, so that, that scene for me, I was like, and it, it's, that's a really rough moment for Joey in general to sit there and be like, to look at this kid, that, you know, and be like, you love me back because of all the things you you appreciate everything I've been doing for this family. Everyone else seems to be so happy I'm getting out of here. Yeah. And then it doesn't help that they built up the whole like secret like song or whatever when they're secretly trying to like plan the surprise for Joey. Like it's just they are forcing him to like go through this downward spiral of negative thinking and unwantedness. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's the worst feeling to feel to like feel alone in the world. That's like. A terrible thing to make someone feel. Yeah, especially when you don't even have your own door. Like going back to the garage scene, he says he call he compares it to um what did he compare it to? Carolot. Or not Carol, that's not I don't even know what that is. Cool. Um, I remember he goes, I remember when I had a door mm. and uh I can't remember the details of that sentence now, but he pretty much was saying he remembers the luxury luxury days of having his own room. Yeah. Um, so I can't imagine him experiencing everything he's experiencing now and knowing that when he comes back, all he has is like this little cove to go to. Yeah. So. All right. That was heavy. Sorry. No, no. I think the scene was heavy. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So sad. Um, the next scene is Jesse is like hanging out with Michelle and like there he's like feeling on top of it. He's like he thinks he's crushing it as the new stay at home dad. And then he gets to knock at the door and it's Joni and she has kids come over and she he learns then that like it's Joey's turn to watch the kids. It's about like five kids he has to watch plus Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's got her children and they're kind of demonic and they're still throwing laundry at him. And in this scene, I noticed that like the way Jesse talks to the women is like he waves them off saying go shop do whatever you girls do like as if they couldn't have jobs or like anything else it's like that they're like and especially the first one she's like she clearly was like going somewhere she looked like kind of fancy looking um she was like on her way to work or something so like he was like you girls whatever you do but then he calls the boys gentlemen interesting i didn't notice that yeah he didn't say kids or guys he's like Gentlemen, fellas. Hmm. Yeah, he doesn't call I tend to block out a lot of personalities like Jesse in my (laughs) life because I'm like, you're just a dude who only cares about your ego. So I tend to like list like everything, a lot of things they say go in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Mm. So I didn't notice he even said like gentlemen because at that point, the way he treated the women when he was closing the door, I kind of stopped listening at that point. I was like, 
all right, you're a jerk. Yeah. Like, let's get on to the next scene. I was like ready for the story to move on at that point. Yeah, because I think the next scene is like, I want to talk about that one. Um, but anything I, else? I want I like I want to add on like the way the women respond when he starts saying like, no, I'm great with kids, like blah blah blah. I feel like a lot of personalities, like Joey's character and myself. Um, we're not really appreciated by a lot of people, but like, I feel like parents and like uh, married people and like older people really appreciate our types of personality because they can see the fact that we are still responsible, even though we can be silly and like imaginative and stuff like that. Um, I loved how they didn't trust him. <laughs> and like, I'm sure part of it had a lot to do with what he was saying, but I think the other part too was, cause the one, I think it's the last woman who drops off the kid, she's in the back. And when he's saying, I'm great with kids, she rolls her eyes. She does this really dramatic, like, I don't remember if it's a roller eyes or like gives him a, like a, a sharp gaze or what it is. But when he, when that happened, I was like, yes, that's how, like, that, that's how I feel. Like a lot of the, it's time for a little game. I like to call Michelle ball like this. <laughs> All right, listen, we'll go answer the door, but when we come back, you'll throw me up in the air and blow bubbles on my tummy, okay? Get it, blow bubbles on, I'll get the door. Oh, hi, Joni. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Michelle. Where's Joey? Joey, uh, well, he's, he's out of town and I'm taking over for him. Oh, good, because it's Joey's afternoon. Joey's afternoon? For what? To watch the kids. So watch the kid, the kids. <laughs> I watch Michelle on Tuesdays and the other moms take turns the rest of the week. The other moms? Yeah, like Barbara and Janice. Barbara and Janice. <laughs> Barbara! Hi, Hi Michelle. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Ryan. Hi, everybody. Uh, Jesse, my Robbie doesn't get along with Barb's Benji, so try and keep them separated. Oh, and here I thought I'd have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Jesse. Hi, Thank you very much for coming. Go ahead, my friend. Listen, I'm very good with children. You girls go have fun. Have a nice day. Shop. Do whatever you do. Come back. Bye, bye, bye girls. Thank you. Bye, bye, bye girls. Bye, girls. We thank you. Out of the women roles that I get close to in my life, except friends that like you that I've had for a long time, they're always girls that are in serious relationships, unhappy relationships, are married or retired kind of thing. Um, because I think they have a better understanding of the balance of like, I'm, I'm not trying to live this life feeding my ego. I'm just trying to be simple. I just want to make my money and do my thing. And the situation he was approaching the um, the way he was rushing them out, saying like, I can do this, like blah, blah, blah. They were just kind of... Yeah, the energy, of like brushing it off. Yeah. And they, Especially when like people care about if you can take care of their kids. Or you, it, like, people care about or like love people who connect with their kids and can like, who sees the like importance of taking care of their kid. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's like brushing it off and like sort of cavalier about it all is like a red flag to like, like, a lot of people. Oh, for sure. Um, See, I feel yeah. I feel like when people find out that you're good with kids, like it, you become like attracted to them. Mm, probably. Yeah. I, I don't have so. tons of experience with this stuff, so. Um. Yeah. Then the next scene is um when they're waiting for Dan to get home before they can eat dinner, and like Jesse um says the family should always eat together, and he gets disappointed when um 
Danny's late and goes into like a disappointed housewife bit. I want to play a clip. Um, but what I noticed about this is like, what's the difference between Joey and Jesse that Jesse is immediately emasculated and changes his personality after a day of woman's work and like he completely changes or he thinks he has to change who he is mm-hmm. in order to do these certain activities. And like, what does it say about Jesse versus Joey that Joey can be his, his like silly self and still like get all this stuff done. Whereas Jesse can only like be, he thinks he has to change who he is to do work. It, that and I think he's also overcompensating. He dove in to instead of like staying being himself as he did it. Um, well, yeah, like you said, he 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 viewed things in a very masculine male perspective. Like, oh, this is what in like a binary way. We're like exactly binary. That's the word I was looking for. It just this is what this is how I have to act or what I have to do to do this. And so, and his little breakdown is just like. Oh, it was so hard to it's so hard to watch when Danny comes home and he makes the joke like, "Hi, honey, I'm home," and then he just rips him a new one like, oh, "You're 25 minutes late," and you didn't. Need-. I'm just like, also, yeah, he thinks that's what he thinks that's what women do, right? And I, yeah, that he thinks that's like how women are supposed to be when they're disappointed. Well, it's even more disappointing about that scene, like, and not not culturally, but if I'm going back to the actual narrative of what we're speaking of. Not once did he sympathize with Joey in that moment. He just compared himself to some famous True. celebrity, like, oh, I'm turning into so-and-so. But also he was, though, because he's not being, like, he's not turning into Joey because Joey would have been, like, fun and then, like, right. leading into it. Like, he didn't turn into Joey, so maybe that's why. Right. But I think it's interesting that he went that direction instead of being like, how does Joey do this? I love how we're talking so seriously about Full House. <laughs> It's the most serious episode I've done so far. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, that probably has a lot to do with I seem so much of myself and Joey. I can't help but project onto his mm-hmm. character. And I'm like, me, 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 me. But I'm trying to stay as objective as possible. But I feel like I'm failing. No, I think it's good because I actually I connected obviously with Jesse. And now I'm starting to connect more with Danny because I'm more attracted to the fatherliness of him. The dads. The dads. Mm-hmm. I have daddy issues. Woo, don't um, know. <laughs> but it's good to like have like that happened with Joey now um, in this season. Hopefully that I get mm-hmm. to like get more empathetic towards Joey. Are you not very empathetic towards Joey? He, I just felt sorry for him and like I'm confused and sorry because his choices perplex me. Welcome to my life. <laughs> my, my choices, choices do perplex me. me too. <laughs> so it's good to know. It's good insight. Jesse, maybe we should eat without Daddy. Sometimes he comes home real late. But a family should always eat together. Now we'll give your father five more minutes, okay? Can we start on some vegetables? Did I say vegetables? I must be starving. Hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> Hi, girls. I'm sorry I'm late. At the last minute, I had to rush out to Oakland to cover a warrior's practice session. Traffic was miserable. Give me a break. Huh? Don't hurt me. You waltz in here 25 minutes late and expect sympathy? Well, I didn't know you had. I have cleaned the house and washed and ironed and ran a daycare center for socially deviant munchkins and missed Oprah. Ran this one to a ballet lesson, this one to the dentist. No cavities, thank you very much. Do you realize that I have slaved over a hot stove so you could have a hot meal when you come home? Huh? <laughs> Jesse, I'm sorry. Sorry. 
Sorry. Sorry doesn't change the fact that my chicken tetrazzini is ruined. Ruined. It's all dried out. But do you have the common courtesy to call me and tell me you're going to be 25 minutes late? No. I am not an animal. Oh my God, what's happening to me? I'm turning into June Cleaver. Like that scene in general, like first off, like we were saying, when he when he acts that way, it's so disgusting because it's like you don't you don't like. I mean, I know back then it was different, but I I know that there's probably there were stay at home dads back then too, and like like and Joey, like you were saying, Joey exempt, he doesn't act like that when he does that. And even when, if I remember correctly, Joey, when he was really upset, he would always just be like, he never really got that dramatic. He would be like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. And he would try to communicate a little bit more. I'm sure there may be moments I'm not thinking of remembering correctly where he probably has these dramatic moments because then it wouldn't be TV. Mm. Um, from my memory of conflicts, like with Michelle and the kids, I know he was always really good about communicating why he was hurt or something was hurt or whatever. Um, but the point is, is like, uh, his whole response during this scene just irks me. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I see it, it irks the police too. Police, they're upset. <laughs> oh, I got to turn my sirens on. Because, <laughs> He's like, I agree, Kimmy. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the whole, the first time we watched the episode, I was just like, I was first disgusted at the whole projection onto a gender and how he was responding. The second time I watched it, I was more, I was like, not one person has mentioned Joey once in this whole moment. Like not even Danny. Danny was just like, yeah, why are you acting like that? You yeah. Know? Which is fine, which I get, but like, I don't know. I think the whole episode being based around Joey, it was really strange. And even then, even though like he, Danny comes in to announce that they, he, they're building a room for Joey in yeah. that scene. And even yeah. then it's like, they're like, okay, it, he doesn't, he's not like talked well, about well, at all. Well, what's even worse about that is that he, he was like, well, maybe this will make you feel better. And it's like, he, what? <laughs> like that whole thing. Like, Jesse was mildly inconvenienced this right. entire time and yet it's yeah it's about him still like that whole scene I feel like was about Jesse the whole time and I'm like yeah doing what you were doing is hard but you kind of did it to yourself because you didn't listen to Joey when he tried to give you a colored index card car, cork board calendar of everything that he does while he was gone and he's like whatever whatever and then he's breaking down projecting like his perspective of like what a housewife is like and just, yeah, I think even now, like thinking about like how they view funny people and like it's it also like reflects how the, the writers view funny people and like how Hollywood in general views funny people. How like if you start writing in comedy and um, the industry, like you're stuck in that. It's really hard to like branch out of comedy yeah. or see people let people. It's really hard to like let comedy writers or actors do something different. Well, just funny people in general. I struggle with that all the time. Like we were talking about earlier, like once people get that perspective of you and they're used to you bringing up the room, like that's who you always be viewed. So I think it's, like, it's a reflection of society and how society, like it's a re reflection of it. Yeah. Like how the writers, even though the writers are comedy writers, they're like, we don't want Joey to have feelings, <laughs> even though he totally does. And he like shares it a lot more, like the hugging he does, like he's a lot more like affectionate. He's a nurturer. Yeah. He really cares. And know Danny and him are supposed to be best friends. Mm -hmm. And so, like, even when he had, well, we'll get to this. I, 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 
for me to continue what I want to say, there is a scene where I can actually say what okay. I say, so I can wait. But then, so then the next scene, Joey's back and the alcove's empty. He gets, into, he comes into the living room and like he notices the alcove's empty. All his stuff's gone. His stuff is gone. And um, he goes to the kitchen, they're playing Monopoly and they kind of, they ignore him when he's back and kind of like brush off. They don't say hi, welcome back or anything. They didn't just, even ask how his... They don't acknowledge when. the fact that he had been gone for two weeks. Um, and uh, so Jesse, Joey's like, well, what's going on? He kind of like, he's like, kind of like skeeved out a little bit and then Danny says oh Danny casually drops they, they like they put his stuff into the garage um, and then Joey gets the idea that they want him out and like he just kind of like gives us like you guys don't want me here why don't I just go on the streets and why don't I move out and like check out the garage um, but like when he when he says it the second time why don't you just go check it out I just felt like it was very condescending because it was almost like why are you overreacting we have a surprise for you and I didn't like that tone even though it may have just I don't think it, whether it was intentional or not, like Joey, this whole time they've been building a surprise in an abuseful reverse psychology way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why? And yeah. And then he's like, just go check it out. And he's like, storms down there. And then they make him feel like the idiot. Yeah. I wonder like, cause I haven't seen any example of that kind of gaslighting in like more modern TV or I feel like that's a very 90s thing to do, like Probably. to like reverse, like get some, so get someone really worked up and angry and then make them feel like a dummy for being angry, even though like it was legit and warranted. I don't know. I feel like it does. I feel like there's a lot of shows when it comes to surprise birthday parties and stuff, they do that. Like, or to pretend like, oh, you, like, oh yeah, like we forgot your birthday. Even like that yeah. doesn't happen in real life, does it? No. Uh, you forgot my birthday? Um, I don't know because people don't really like to celebrate my birthday. Same. I don't like to celebrate my, my birthday. Oh, I love celebrating my birthday, but my birthday also takes place like Memorial Day weekend. Oh. So like no one's ever really around. So, um, yeah, like, but that whole moment actually, well, oh yeah. We're there, we're there now. We, we're going down to the basement now, okay. to the garage. Like, yeah, because I have more to say that would leads off. There's some Peking duck in the fridge for you. Just out of curiosity, would anybody happen to know where all my stuff is? Yeah, we, we moved it down to the garage. Oh, I, I see. Okay. I think it's your turn. Well, uh, maybe there's something else you'd like to tell me, like uh, goodbye. Joey. Adios, Amscray. Joey. Hit the road, Joey. Joey, your stuff is in the garage. Go check it out. Oh, I'll check it out. And then I'll pack it up. You just threw all my stuff down in the garage? Why didn't you just fling it out on the front lawn? Am I still getting my mail here or did you forward it to the gutter? I didn't demand to move in here. I volunteered to help out. If you didn't need my help, all you had to say was, Joey is an idiot. <laughs> oh yeah and also where they're going while he's going now he like says I didn't argue to live here I volunteered to live here like he's like that's also interesting that yeah. he like finally acknowledged like I didn't I chose to be here well also the line he says as soon as we see him in the basement and before he says Joey is stupid which I can't I don't like that he felt he needed to say that but he says if you didn't if you weren't okay with me to be here and help out it's all you had to say mm-hmm and like, yeah, and like that shows you how serious he was taking them with the secrets and how unwanted he felt over the last those couple days. And I really like that is like the worst feeling to feel ever. I think I used to feel that a lot when I was in high school. Um, 
in like our like the, the friend group size platter like I I was just really sensitive to like people not want to be feeling that people didn't want to be around me and like being really sensitive to like people not talking to me and that's like I didn't talk a lot on the phone it's so, like the fact that I wasn't getting phone calls like you feel like like no one liked me and like why aren't you inviting me to parties like why don't I get invited to stuff and like even though like they I'm sure they they I know they love me and I'm still friends with a lot of people then um but yeah like not being paid attention to and feeling like they're shutting you out it was terrible one of the hardest things i've had to learn growing up is accepting that you're not as high as a priority to somebody as you they are to you and then i also growing up i always know so many people I've, i i want to say i have so many friends but it's really rare my phone goes off because like a lot of the the world really perceives me as like this is what i want so i'm gonna go get it and i think which is true in a way, like when it comes to my career and everything, but I'm also very insecure and shy. But like, I feel like people have this thing where if I invite them and stuff, they'll be, if they're available, they'll be like, yeah, 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 I'll come. But like, it feels good to know that people are thinking about you and they want you to come hang out too. Mm-hmm. And it's really upsetting when I had somebody give me, when I was going through my crazy time my last year in Boston, a friend said, to, well, a person said to me, you know, my therapist told me, uh, if you really want to know who your real friends are, just take a break from contacting people and see who contacted you. She was one of the first people. And she was like, to me, she was one of my closest friends at the time. She was one of the first people to disappear. Oh, wow. And like my phone didn't go off once those whole seven days. Jeez. So like, I obviously did not need that in the period in what I was going through at that time. But like that's a really hard thing to be in that place where like Joey and you've, you've like, yes, he, in a way, everything we do in a way is selfish because we have to take care of ourselves too. So Joey definitely needed somewhere to go, but he also was, he knew that Danny needed people too. So to go out of your way, to accept living in a cove, Mm -hmm. to help him take care of these like wonderful kids after you just lost the love of your life and then like be treated this way. And this is only 10 episodes mm-hmm. in where, so he's probably still really sensitive about a lot of these things. Like I've been in many situations crashing on people's cat. Like I've been traveling the last like three months. So I've been, I have that feeling of like, I'm in the way, I'm sorry, I'm staying visiting you for two weeks. Like, um, so I know what it's like to like, not have a place of your own to like kind of like mm-hmm. well and not just my traveling you know for general me moving around and stuff but like him coming back and feeling that way like that's gotta be like the worst feeling ever especially when you're accepting to that like actually i didn't even think about it but when they show the cove when he comes back and he throws the bag and he realizes stuff gone where did he sleep? Those, it was a cot. It was a folded up cot. Okay. Because so, those, those yeah. little benches were tiny. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't watched the show in detail in a long time, but. Um, but even then, like. Even then, even sleeping on a fold out cot like that. For how, like, however many months that must have been. Yeah. And you're never, your, your privacy is. Doesn't you, exist. It doesn't. Yeah. You, you either, you, the moments of, and this is coming from experience, the two moments of real privacy you have are when you're in the bathroom or. You're laying there because you can't sleep because your brain is going 20 miles an hour because you don't know why you can't fully relax because you have all this unconscious stuff you're trying to process and weigh out. And like, so the fact that he can wake up every single day and do as much as he does for the family and like still 
be as optimistic and pursue his comedy and stuff makes me feel like a like a very irresponsible like well I don't really want I what I I don't really want the things I say I want because I'm not working nearly as hard as he is um oh that's good that's interesting but you know what I mean because think about it he has no time for himself like his moments to himself are probably while he's cooking and he's waiting on like pasta to boil and yeah. stuff like that or when he's folding the clothes when no one's there it's like Joe is really like extraordinary to be that creative or to keep his creativity. I think that's why he's so persistent in like being funny or when he like interjecting, like having fun with the irony because like he needs to keep that up, yeah. that kind of energy, so he doesn't lose it. And it might be a reason why he has so much of that stuff. He might find like this weird connection to this materialistic. Items. As a hoarder aficionado, like that's a common thing they say. It's like they so they become attached to the things because it makes them feel something good to look at it they like to just to see it makes them feel better yeah um so yeah maybe just looking at that piano makes him feel better yeah or maybe it makes him feel like he has give the illusion of control in his life too yes and then to own something you know yes especially since so much stuff is in that little cove like i think he needs it cluttered like that because he he that's a wall almost like a literal wall exactly mentally and literally um but anyway so we get so let's let's move on a little bit. Cause I'm yeah, just... so he's downstairs and like he says he volunteered to be there, and then it's the garage has been transformed into like a really nice, very nice. bedroom with a bathroom, carpet, everything. Carpet, yeah. I'm assuming insulated and everything. I would hope so. <laughs> and they got his mom to send his furniture down, mm-hmm. his own furniture. Um, yeah. So like, and then you have anything to say about that before we get to the talk? Uh, no, everything I think I want to say is based around the talk. So yeah, it's this episode like is not usually when they have the talk, it's about a lesson to kind of recap what they learned. For me, the talk wasn't really a talk. They didn't apologize nope. at all for what happened. And and it actually ends with Joey looking like the bad guy. And they say the talk is about saying is telling him he's a tanner and that's supposed to make him feel better. Like you're part of a family and that's. But to me, that's not like a that's not a good talk at all because like first of all, you're not apologizing. You're not saying what you learned because they need to learn something, and they think they're trying to say that Joey learned that he's part of the family. But they the whole episode they didn't show that he was part of the family, right? At all. <laughs> this was the garage, Danny. This must have cost a fortune. Don't ask, <laughs> Joey. You're my best friend. And you're doing me the biggest favor of my life by helping me raise my girls. This is just our way of saying thanks. No one has ever done anything like this for me before. And the best part is, as great as my new room is, you guys really want me here. Are you kidding? You're a part of our family. Face it, pal, you're a tanner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome home, Joseph. Tomorrow, you're on the day shift. Thoughts. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts and feelings. Uh, trying not to let my feelings control overflow. Um, for me, it all starts when he says, Joey is an idiot. And then not still, by the very end of the episode, not one of them asked about his trip. We never right. see him. No one. We never see them actually ask. And I don't know what happens. And I don't remember what happens in the episode after. So I'm not sure if they recall it at all. But like, it's even the trip itself. Like we see the day he leaves. We only see Jesse go through one day without him. And then he returns. And he's where he's shown as being a jerk. Mm-hmm. when he walks in and he's just like really emotional about it. Um, 
But the fact that he calls himself an idiot, I know why he does it. I understand why he does it. I've done the same thing multiple times in my entire life, but it's like going back to your theory about this, but what's the cost? You know, he's, he instantly feels guilty for a reason he should not feel guilty. Exactly. Like, yes, what they did was incredibly kind for him. Like, that's amazing that Danny would spend that much money to make him, give him his own room. Like, but at what cost? Like, they, is, like, why should he be dropping to his knees and thankfulness and like, oh my God, I'm such a jerk when they literally were making him feel so unwanted and unloved just to build up the surprise. And he has like, and also we're seeing the amount of sacrifice he goes through to live there. Yeah. And like, well, he could potentially like just go live somewhere else right. and like have his own space, his own freedom and like not have to be, not have all that responsibility on him. And if you go back to what you were saying earlier about maybe this episode is punishing Danny, maybe Danny spent all that money because he realized like, Joey's like our maid. I, I can't, I don't want to do this. Jesse can't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically Danny can't do it because he's working and he's providing a lot of the money, but still it's like, maybe his whole perspective isn't really necessarily, I want to do something really great for my best friend, but I need to do this for myself because I can't function without him. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they, no, yeah, they don't, they don't talk about Joey's feeling at all. They don't acknowledge anything that happened in the past, Nothing. or even like they don't even acknowledge like Joey called himself an idiot. Like, no, 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 don't say, don't say that. We're we're sorry, we did that to you. Nothing. Like, you don't, shouldn't don't feel bad that you and, said that. And You're the, right. The last couple lines of the episode are them throwing back his words at him when he came home throwing his tantrum. Oh right, yeah. Like, oh, you throw it to the the gutter for your stuff in the gutter, like yeah. whatever. It's my nail in the gutter. Like, the episode ends with them tickling each other, reciting his words temper like like how dare you say these things and it's so weird to watch because it's such a on like on a visual level it's supposed to be this happy family moment which i can't relate to but ew yeah (laughs) that's like all i can say is like it just makes me want to like cry that's what i'm saying because like i feel like that's why I had to think about the house being so toxic. Like, it's funny. Like, it's a joke. Right. But also, like, it's talk. It's toxic. Like, it's not a healthy. They're not a healthy family at all. They're, they're like, they don't process their emotions in a very healthy way. Right. They, like, hide a lot of what's actually going on. A lot of passive-aggressive. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, I had something and I lost it. Um uh, I forgot it. Yeah, I don't have anything else about... Oh, something I can add. Another another moment during that conversation at the end I don't like is uh, another reason I can't stand the fact that he says Joey is stupid. Um, and the reason he gets... No, actually, I'll back up a little bit. I feel like it's really disappointing. Like, he is doing everything he's doing for a greater cause and for people he loves. And it's really frustrating to me that he can come back and feel the way he feels. So I wrote like, he's so used to falling apart that it's easier for him to be feeling like he's being thrown out than them actually trying to do something nice for him. Oh yeah, that's true. And I think that not only, I think not only does that reflect how his life has been up for himself as his career, how used, and I can relate to this a lot, like things constantly changing, things not working, whatever. But the fact that, Within these 10 episodes, they haven't helped him feel in a way that they wouldn't be throwing him out. If that makes sense. They didn't make him feel better. Right. They're not making, they're not like, 
whether and whether it was this just this episode or not, the fact that he's able to conclude that he's being thrown out or he's just being moved out of the house to make more space. They're the ones who helped push him to that point. I think you think about like we're saying that talking about relationships when they do that, like I've been in relationships where like I'm unhappy, things aren't working, but and like but yet he still got me like gifts that I didn't want. The and whole, like the whole he can be nice. Yeah. Like, oh, you're giving me this thing that, like, yeah, it's nice, but also, like, it's not at all what I need right now. Right. You know? Yeah, makes me angry. So, like, getting a gift when, like, you need emotional support is, like, one of the worst things you can get. Which I think culturally men are getting much better about being emotionally available. And, like, at least... No, because whenever I go on dates, it's always them dumping stuff on you. Like, they're emotional in the way that like they are good they're better at seeing their emotions but like they dump them on women and dates a lot of my friends talk about how like yeah people guys use dates as therapy basically that's really i've been in a lot of a lot of dates like 80 percent of my dates have been the guy just dumping all his problems i think it might be like a personality thing because i feel like every girl i go on a date with it's the same thing like i end up being their therapist and it's like i'm i don't want to fix you i'm looking for someone i can like live with like not not move in with but you know like yeah live my life you live your life but it happens to coincide and it just we're a good team that's why i stopped dating for a while it's like why am i attracting these people who are not finished because you're trying to learn to take care of yourself yeah people feed off that energy i know i mean look at (laughs) i mean i i can't really speak because i attract the weirdest you do weirdest and neediest people um, but I'm also a great listener. You know, I was raised by my mom and my two sisters. My dad was never around. I never had any good male role models. So I grew up having my two sisters who were both older than me be like, don't be like this guy. Don't be like that guy. Don't be like this. Don't be like that, which actually works against me because in my ability to date, I try so hard not to be these cliche dudes that I end up just coming off as, a, well, I actually can't say if that's a fact or not. So I'm not even going to finish that sentence, but, um, I don't know. Communi- communication to me is very important. So and also, yeah, you think you think that make you look like a catch to women, but also I was talking to my friend Heather, who's been on the show a few times. Like we we're talking about how like why people like Trump, even though he's like so abusive and manipulative. Like people don't like him in spite of that. Like they like him because of that because they're so used to like a lot of people like grew up with like men in their lives who like had like an all or nothing personality. Where like and they're withholding affection and like. Mm-hmm abusive and like that kind of person like they, people are comfortable by that have something familiar even though it's not good yeah. but they want something instead of like taking the risk to having something new mm-hmm. they'd rather have something that hurts familiar. and familiar the last girl i dated in alabama before i officially moved away to go finish school in boston she used to get mad at me and say why won't you just fight with me and i used to get so i finally got so tired we didn't date that long we did like two months and i got so tired of her complimenting me, complimenting me that I wasn't like every other guy, but being upset with me that I wasn't very like every other guy. When we when I finally broke up with her and she was getting mad that I wouldn't fight with her, I just looked at her. And my last words were, "I'm sorry, I don't beat you," and I walked away. Good for you. Because it was like, I don't. What do you want me to do? Like you say, you want a guy who listens. I'm a great listener, and then you get mad that I'm listening to you. You know, you like that I'm not like this. You like that I'm not into sports and all this stuff. And I actually want to hang out with you and spend time with you. But then you don't know. Then you call me needy because you're saying, why don't you just like whatever? Like that has nothing to do with me. I'm I'm still being myself. Like, like I actually dated somebody much later 
because, you know, I have a giving tree tattooed on my arm and they thought it was really cute. They're like, oh, you're in the kids books and imagination. That's so adorable. And then they asked me like two months later, why do you own kids books? And I'm like, people are so confused. I'm I'm like, what do you think this is? The pickup girls? You guys spent $150 (laughs) on a tattoo just to get dates? Like what? Like it's, it's really weird. Yeah. But I think it's just like, I feel like a lot of sensitive guys like me go through the same thing when it comes to girls. And then a lot of girls I know who are great, like you, who I think are great women, you date I end up dating girls like the guys that you end up dating. Yeah. I just think it's like a, it's the type of personalities we have. We are, it's the type of people we attract. Yeah. I also kind of ask for it sometimes. Cause I really like, I think I lower my standards too much where I'll, I'm willing to, cause I'm so willing to put up with anything. And also I'm like more really here. Like the day of the guy who was bleeding and I didn't leak. So I just, I just wanted to see where it went. Well, at that point, you're already in it. You might as well be in it to win it. Right? Yeah. Like, you're at this house. This guy's bleeding and he's denying it. Like, seeing the blood fall, falling out of behind his ear. Like, Should I tell the story just so I know? <laughs> Why not? Okay. Um, God, okay. I went over. I went, I went on a date with a guy. Um, we were at his place and... He, it wasn't going well. I, there was no, like no chemistry or anything, but I was like just hanging out just to see. Cause he was like venting to me about his life. And he, he like, yeah, he'd been sick for a while, but and he was just venting to me. And I was, he's kind of drunk already. Um, he was sitting across from me. I was on the couch. He was in a chair. And then he started, um, bleeding from behind his ear and I mentioned it and he tapped it and said, Oh yeah, that's weird. I have sometimes. And he would not wipe the blood. Uh, from so behind his neck and he just kept letting bleed and like kind of tap it a little bit and I was and I was like are you sure you don't need to like get anything so he went up and like he like went to look for like a cotton ball or anything he couldn't find it so he just like let it he just wiped it and it just like let it and it just kept you know he would tap it periodically and but then it just kept on bleeding again and dripping again and you know, he's just talking about like his um woes of being a lawyer and then like 15 minutes later he tells me he gets a text on his phone he, this whole time he's looking at his phone um and he tells me that like i have to leave because his girlfriend who's in the is gonna come soon and that he's in an open relationship and i probably have to leave because she doesn't know i'm there i hate men so much i'm sorry <laughs> so that's why i tracked oh hey Molina. that's why i allow myself to be around i, I hear you like a bloody ear <laughs> I know some people who just like to let them. Just let it. Some free bleeders. <laughs> free bleeders. <laughs> oh my God. It's like in a chewing gum when she like gets really like turned on, her nose bleeds. Oh yeah. <laughs> my ear bleeds when really turned on. <laughs> I was so attractive. You didn't help it. It just came out. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I want to apologize for my gender because they are the worst and. It's um, everyone's fault because there's women who enable that shit too. That's true. Um, there are a lot of self-hating women out there. Yes, there really are. How do we end on a good note? What do we do? Um, I don't know. Joey's a very sad character. Even though- what do you like about Joey, though? What I like about Joey is that he remi- I can see myself in him a lot. And it reminds me that no matter... I don't know. That might be the only reason. But you, he reminds you. But yeah. I, well, but, I thought you're but, I, like him. but I didn't even realize that until recently. Like growing up, I didn't. I you know I wasn't applying myself to the show that much. Where it's like, oh, I'm like Joey. But now that I'm older, especially like now rewatching these episodes, that episode is like what I'm going through right now mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Like not a lot, but in enough ways to make me emotional and uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I think um, if you're saying you're, if Joey's like you, then that means like he's just very empathetic and aware of his worth in life 
Yeah. Sometimes, not all the way, all the time, but like someone who knows who he is and like has passions in life. I like that he is passionate about something and he like doesn't waver. This is, I think I, I, okay. Hearing you say that, I think I can say what I like about him, especially if, if I'm, I can only talk about what I'm experiencing right now is what I said earlier about how that he is still able to work on the career he feels that's so valuable to him and do all of that and still get it done. That's something to look forward to me because like, you know, as much as I do, how much I long for companionship and how I'd love to be a dad one day, especially a part-time stay-at-home dad. Like, so a lot of what mm-hmm. Jimmy does, I'm like, that sounds like yes, a cool life. life. Um, but the fact that he's able to still, like, the one thing I loved about his character for a while is that he's not even really focused on dating a lot until later. Mm-hmm. So, like, I want to get to a point where dating doesn't mean as much as it as much as it does. I hate admitting that it's as important as it is to me, but it does. And I would like to get to the point where like, if it happens, yes. If not, it doesn't change the way I look at the day. You know, um, I love that. It reminds me that yet seeing that people say things that they do like, Oh, it's normal for Joey, like blah, blah. He can still be wanted and accepted in a family and that he can have a, he can have a place to belong and stuff like that. Like I still am looking for that for myself. Like all of my closest friends right now are scattered. Like I don't get to see you guys unless I, you know, very often. Um, so I want to find that community for myself where I can like have that purpose to nurture the people I love. And I think uh, to make that positive is like this last two years being in San Diego has been such an incredible experience for me and like working really hard and like, like making choices for myself. Like, I feel like I used to be way more like Joey than what I, I am currently. Like I re- I resonate with him still very highly, but like the one thing that he did, that I actually, I don't even think I talked about it in the podcast that made me uncomfortable was that he's too willing to accommodate for the family instead of himself. And I think that's what holds him back. Oh, this is what you're talking about. Because Tim told me this, and I think this is a great positive, at least for me, it's a great positive thing to end on is that like, I'm learning, I just realized one of my best friend, Tim, just had, we had a conversation and he helped me realize that I live my life in a small room and I try to control my personality in a way where it's like, I can't imagine, it's, it's not that I can imagine, I don't allow myself to think that I can afford a space where I can fit all of my personality. So like for me, I, I unconsciously limit myself to a cove like Joey is currently in, in episode 10. And I tell myself that's all I can have. So if there's like a new collector vinyl artist figure I want to buy, I tell myself I have to sell one before mm-hmm. I buy another one. I only let myself own so many things because I don't know when I'm going to have to move again. I don't know what I, like if I'm going to lose this job or if I'm going to get this gig, whatever. He helped me realize that I don't, I'm doing that to myself. So in a way, this episode is very at home for me, but I need to make that choice. I need to make the choice instead of hoping that the people I love will help me get there. I just go do it. Mm -hmm. I need to leave the house. I need to realize that the house is consuming me and is trying to keep me there and say, I don't need it anymore. That I love myself, that I am a beautiful person. And the way I do care about my friends and family is very valuable and rare and own that and build that into my life and allow myself to be the photographer filmmaker side of me, but also 
the video game voice acting side of me too, where they can, I can have a space big enough where all of it can exist instead of just like one or the other. Yeah. I think you're in a place where like, you're like a little step further than where Joey is, like where you understand that you deserve more. Where jo- Joey thinks he, that's the new garage is what he deserves and that's all he can get. Right. Whereas you understand that like you can actually get more than that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the, the episode's called Joey's Place. Now you're, now you're finding Kenny's place. <laughs> Everyone go out there and find your place. I want to find Malita's place. Where can people find you and your work online? Um, my work, I unfortunately deleted all of my photography and filmmaking stuff. Uh, that's not true. There's still some video stuff online, but my pixel art, you can find me on Instagram at around until square is one word. Um, and then I guess if you want to look at my old video art stuff on Vimeo, it's just Kenneth Nowlin, but I haven't updated it since college. So. It's pretty stuff on there. It's okay. You can follow the podcast on THMBF podcast on Instagram. Stay solid folks. Bye. Bye.